You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at SOH. Dot church. Uh, while you're there, download our mobile app. We've got a free digital Bible and then a ton of great resources for you if you want to go ahead and continue with your study or even fellowship with us. We've got an online community that you can pray with, laugh with, converse with, ask questions. It's uh, an awesome app. And if you are listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe as we continue through the Gospel of Matthew uh, had some technical difficulties this morning, but we got off pretty much on time. Maybe it was demons. Maybe it was demons that tried to stop us today. We're going to get into a part of uh, scripture here where uh, Jesus encounters two demoniacs up until this point. In all of really Matthew chapter eight, we see Jesus. exerting his authority uh, after teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Then he goes out and he puts, uh, uh, he he talked the talk. Now he's walking the walk, right? He's uh, walking with the disciples and he's encountering people that are sick. He's encountering uh, storms, right? Yesterday, he calmed the storm with a word. Uh, he rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith. And then he went ahead and rebuked the storm and they marveled. They said, wow. He says, who is this man that even the winds obey him? So they get over to the other side after their nightly voyage, and they get over to uh, a region uh, that was populated both by uh, Jewish people and Gentiles, much like a lot of that region that was outside of uh, Jerusalem. The Jerusalem area was the religious epicenter. And then, of course, as you got out, you had more of a uh, of a mix. And again, what we see is Jesus encountering uh, two uh, demon possessed men uh, in uh, some of the other another gospel. Uh, it only mentions one man. Um, but uh, here's what we know is that this region had a problem. And who are you going to call? Jesus. Okay. All right. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Oh, I didn't change that. Okay. Matthew chapter 8, 28 to 34. We'll get it together. Not every morning's perfect, right? You just got to be willing. God's not looking for perfect. He's looking for willing. And I woke up willing this morning to share with you. Okay. So we know Jesus is coming over in the boat. It says, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Verse 30. Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go, or some translations say, be gone. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down a steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all this. 
including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Huh. Okay. So obviously we're dealing with uh, what is being coined as as demons. Um, the demon is the uh, Greek word uh, diamonian, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, diamonian. And it means uh, devil, means God, lowercase g. Um, it is referred to in regards to inferior deities. And if you see, if we go back a couple chapters in Matthew chapter four, uh, demoniac, which means basically it's a derivative of that. It means one who is under the influence of a false god. Um, it lumps that in with a lot of the even physical ailments that Jesus was healing. So it's interesting, and I'm not here to get too far into demonology today. I've I've spent probably the last 13 years um, studying in this and uh, being part of deliverance ministry. Deliverance ministry is basically where you help people to get through uh, the various oppressions in their life. And uh, I will tell you that I am not one that takes demons and lumps them into ancient uh, deities, uh, active deities, Here's the problem I have with that. And again, you can, we can agree to disagree, or you can definitely hit me up with uh, your, you know, your positioning on this. But I think, I do think that the modern day church takes a lot of liberties with demonology, a lot of liberties with deliverance. Um, but what I, what I was getting at here is I, I am not a polytheist, right? So I don't believe that God is like, just hear me out. Let me finish the sentence before you throw a rock at me. I don't believe that God is like this um, mega, the top God. And then there's these different levels of, of powerful deities. The problem I have with that is that there is no other God. So again, I'm, I'm not that these are active false gods or lesser gods. That's, I think in my uh, terms of, you know, giving these things that much power. So when I teach today, I'm going to do it around what we know demons are. Okay. Demons are oppression. So whether we assign them a, an active personality where like in C.S. Lewis's book, the screw tape letters, uh, they talk to one another or whether we um, apply it in a, a different way where it's an internal uh, oppression, um, I think that we can accomplish the same thing today. Um, and uh, Fran just mentioned on the live stream, deliverance is a great ministry. It absolutely is. Because when you see somebody set free from the bondages that are on their life, it is like nothing, there's like nothing else, right? Those who are free in Christ are free indeed. Amen. So here's what we know. We know that this region was under oppression. Okay. And we will, we can absolutely say demonic oppression. It's exactly what uh, the scripture tells us. And we know that the people of the region, it says that they had, that 
these two men were terrorizing that part of the region so much that they couldn't even walk down there. So what they, what the people would do is basically avoid that region altogether. They would walk around it. And as I was praying on this particular set of scriptures, I thought about, you know, even our, in our own lives, there are things that are, that are terrorizing us, maybe have done it for a long time. And sometimes we just want to walk around it in our life. And we just want to avoid that area instead of confronting that area. And what we see, you know, unannounced and, you know, not expected is Jesus coming into this ministry, this, this, uh, this region with his ministry uh, and now confronting what had been bothering them the whole, the whole time. And most likely uh, would have, uh, would have bothered them their entire lives because unconfronted oppression, unconfronted uh, inner tor- turmoil doesn't just go away. Doesn't just go away. Sometimes it has to hurt bad enough for us to let God inside and shine his light on those areas. It's not that God doesn't know that you're dealing with these particular things, but it's um, really a matter of allowing him to deal and allowing you to deal with those things as well. So if you've been harboring things in your life and they just seem to be sticking around for too long, you've got to allow Jesus to confront those things because without it, they're just going to run roughshod and keep going and probably grow unchallenged. What what I would say is whatever these men were dealing with demonically, um, because they were not confronted, they probably uh, were allowed to, to grow, become stronger, become bolder. Right. And what we allow to stick around eventually does get stronger. Sometimes it's got to hurt bad enough for us to move. I had a a uh, a mentor of mine used to tell this story and I always remember it. It's it's an uh, old man on a porch and uh, he's got this dog sitting next to him. The dog's crying and whining and a uh, man walks by and he says, hey, sir, why is your dog crying? And the old man says, well, it looks it's probably sitting on a nail. And. The guy goes, well, why doesn't he get up? The old man says, well, I guess it doesn't hurt bad enough yet. The question is, is are you willing to address the things in your life? Do they hurt bad enough for you to allow them to be removed, to confront them? So to get back to this particular region, um, this whole region's being that has both Jews and Gentiles in it, they're being terrorized by these two men. Also important to note that they live in the tombs. Right. So the superstition, that period of time, people were very superstitious, especially when it came to the dead. And when you're in the Jewish culture, dead bodies mean unclean. So there's a lot of symbolism uh, around these men, which uh, unclean, living amongst the dead, probably contributed to the fear, their inability to move about uh, with them being there. So we see Jesus get onto the shore and when he meets these two men, they recognize him right away. And they say, what do you, what would you have? uh, What would you do to us? Let me read it. So I don't paraphrase. They beg Jesus. If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. But before that, they said, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? 
If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. They recognize what I want to point out here. They recognize Jesus. They recognize his power. And if you remember, Jesus is the light of the world, right? What does light do? Light exposes what is in the dark. And we often are afraid to allow God to expose what is on the inside of us because what? We've been conditioned to think God's going to meet us with condemnation, with suffering, uh, with with punishment. But uh, in John chapter 1, it says that when the word became flesh, he came what? Full of what? Full of grace and full of truth. So whatever is uh, demonically oppressing us, and I don't believe that, a, uh, that a, a, I do believe that a Christian can be oppressed. Okay. I'm not big into the, the, uh, possession side of things, you know, in terms of, uh, a, a Christian, because you have the Holy spirit inside of you and what's the Holy spirit got a roommate that it doesn't want, but we can allow things to attach onto us. Actually, I had an, a, a really, really, uh, insightful conversation once with a microbiologist. He was coming to our church and um, I'm just going to give you, this is, you know, this is a bit of a a theory that I find pretty uh, compelling um, in terms of the demonic and what it is. But I was sitting with him and he was talking about viruses and he was talking about how a virus, there's an argument in the scientific community, whether a virus is even alive at all, right? What a, uh, uh, and I, I may butcher it up a little bit, but what a virus needs is a vulnerable protein to attach itself to. And then it almost comes to life in its own right and it changes the makeup of that protein itself, right? What if the demonic is that, right? Something that doesn't really have life in itself, but when a protein, when, when you and I, allow for this negative, this darkness to attach to us in some way, it affects who we are. It it changes uh, almost our spiritual makeup to that degree. And that's why scripture says, what? Don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renewing of those, the removal of these things. So again, I'm not asking you to make any determination, but you know, anytime that I've seen deliverance in somebody, there has been a vulnerability in their life, been the uh, the uh, allowance of something to stay and exist when it should be driven out. And I think that there's a real compelling case to be for the demonic to be very similar to uh, a virus to our spirit in that, in that way, right? Just food for thought. Uh, Again, at the core of everything, what we're talking about, we're talking about oppression, right? And Jesus sends these demons into uh, the pigs, right? I've even heard theories here that the, the, uh, the Roman soldiers of that time actually historically proven that the Roman soldiers that were in that region, the legion of them, uh, their actual symbolism was a pig, um, was the actual boar. So could be a type and shadow type of situation there. Uh, but also remember pigs were unclean, uh, in the Jewish culture. So the fact that they were even in the region, chances are they could have been Gentile, uh, you know, uh, possession there. Uh, and 
whatever it is, Jesus casts them into the pigs. The pigs go and they die and the demons are gone from that region. Okay. So what we know is Jesus casted the demonic out very much like he did with the sicknesses and very much like he quieted the storm. I want to point out that he said one word. He said one word. He didn't go through, you know, a 15 hour deliverance session, get out the buckets. uh, So these men could go through, you know, everything in their life and throw up in the bucket and do all some of the crazy things that happen, uh, you know, uh, in terms of demonic ministry. And trust me, I've been in a lot. I've seen a lot. Um, But I I just want to point out the authority. Jesus walks into the region. They, he confronts them. They confront him. He says one word. He says, go. Or maybe two words, be gone. Whatever translates in into the Greek or Hebrew, right? Be gone. So often we want to just go through this crazy process when the authority of God is one word. Be gone. Be done. And... Uh, I want to end it with the the last point, which we may all find surprising. When this happens, the men that were tending to the pigs run off and then they go get the people in the town and the townspeople come out and then they ask Jesus to leave. <laughs> so the thing that they wanted this whole time, now that Jesus came and pulled it away, and be, it's almost as if they identified with these men being there. Um, we don't know all the details as to why they wanted them to leave, the Je- you know, Jesus and the disciples. But what I want to equate this to is a lot of times, you know, God will help us to remove things in our life. And then we disinvite God to continue with us. We disinvite God to continue to uh, impact us. And um, for whatever reason, they tell Jesus to leave. And again, lots of speculation around that. But I think what we can apply to our own lives in this case is when God drives the demonic out of our lives, when he drives the oppression out of our lives, it's important to replace that with truth and his teaching and to start filling that void in our lives. They had a tremendous opportunity to have Jesus hang with them and stay with them and teach them and possibly even teach them how to remove this situation in the future themselves. As we'll see in Matthew chapter six, 16, excuse me, Jesus tells the disciples, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And Jesus is teaching them these things. So these people in this region had a tremendous opportunity to allow Jesus to not only drive out the oppression that was in their lives, but to better equip them to deal with it on their own. And they ruined that opportunity because they disinvite God. So my prayer for you is that as you, that I guess today is that you would confront the oppression that is in your life that has been terrorizing you for a long time. Doesn't belong there. All it's doing is contributing to fear, contributing to superstition in your life, and and you are not able to move about the way that you are called to move about because you are allowing these things to be there. And I believe that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart today, and he wants to confront 
these things that you have allowed to live in the dark places in your heart. So I feel like very strongly the Holy Spirit would be putting on your heart the areas of your life that you've got to let Jesus confront. And when he does that, his authority and his power is going to drive these things out. But when it, when he does be bold enough to then allow him to stay and allow him to work on you and allow him to heal you. Because I guarantee you, Jesus left this region and then they were, you know, they, they said, well, I'm glad that that's done, but you know what? I'm afraid this is going to happen again. What if it happens again? Well, Jesus would have dealt with them as to what would happen again. Jesus would have calmed those fears. And even when we temporarily get rid of these things, what happens is we live in fear that they come back. And then what happens is, is that we end up worse off than we were before. Or we allow it in our life. So today I pray over you where you are, that you would allow Jesus to even heal the places where he's driven out the oppressions. And that you give Jesus a permanent residence in your life. Yes, he's the Holy Spirit is inside of you. But the more we allow Jesus to have an active role in our life, the more victory we'll have. The more we'll be able to move about freely in this territory that he's given us. Your life is a ministry. This world, this generation is territory that God has given you. Don't allow oppression to keep you from places where God wants you to rule and reign. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that are with me today. Lord God, I pray over their life. I pray that they would first confront the oppression. Then they would allow you to drive that out with your love, with your grace, and with your truth. And then when you drive this oppression out of their lives, that they would allow you to play an active role in their healing in our healing and in our rule and reign of this territory that you've given us, this life that you've given us in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at soh.church. Went a few minutes over. I hope that's fine. Uh, I thought it was, uh, give me some feedback whether you thought this was a good study. Ask any questions that you would like. You're listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together, what, for 1% of our day, and then we head out and do something amazing with this life with the remaining 99%. Go do something amazing today. I'll see you tomorrow. We're done with Matthew... Matthew chapter 8. Tomorrow we start Matthew chapter 9. Have a great day.